We need to talk about COP28. And no, COP28 isn't a new Netflix series. COP28 is the forthcoming 28th annual installment of the United Nations Climate Talks, which take place once a year amongst almost 200 countries, all represented at these climate talks, and which are taking place next November, that's November 2023, in Dubai. And the reason we need to talk about COP28 so many months before it even begins is because over the past couple of weeks, more than 100 U.S. and EU politicians wrote a letter to the United Nations which basically said, why did you appoint the CEO of an oil company and a very substantial oil company at that as the president of the United Nations climate talks? And don't you think there is something wrong with that? And could you please do something about it? Now, of course, it wasn't the United Nations that appointed the COP president. It was the host nation, i.e. the United Arab Emirates. But that letter was in the news a couple of weeks ago. Intriguingly, it pushed Michael Bloomberg, the owner of Bloomberg, and a very respected and credible climate action leader, I would say, to write his own op-ed in Bloomberg to say he doesn't agree with these 100 US EU politicians who want the oil CEO removed as COP28 head. The oil CEO, by the way, is Sultan al-Jaber, who is CEO of ADNOC, Abu Dhabi's national oil company. But he does wear several other hats, including being the founding CEO and currently the chairman of Mazdar, which is a renewable energy business and initiative, also from Abu Dhabi, which has been investing in renewable energy around the world. Dr. Jaber wears other hats as well, but that's who that letter from the EU and US legislators is referring to, and that's who Michael Bloomberg is defending. Michael Bloomberg came out quite strongly and said that actually Dr. Al-Jaber is the right person to preside over COP28 because COP28 requires all hands on deck, which means it also requires the oil companies. His opinion piece then pointed to the fact that he's not alone in thinking that because other advocates of climate action, such as John Kerry, the U.S. Special Envoy for Climate, or European climate leaders that he named. So what's going on at the 28th installment of the UN Climate Talks, you might ask? Welcome to episode 73 of the Angry Clean Energy Guy podcast with me, Asad Razouk. I am so happy you're here. Thank you. We've been trying to act 
on climate, at the very least since the Rio summit in 1992, and one of the organized forums for doing so, for acting on climate, probably the best known forum, is an annual meeting of all the countries in the world called a COP or a Conference of the Parties, which allows the countries, but also a lot of the people impacted by climate change, and a whole slew of businesses and consultants and what have you, to discuss the status of the climate and then try to agree on a text to do something about it. Now, I don't want to go through the details of the 27 previous annual climate talks. There's a lot of detail on them. Well, there's enough detail on them in my book, Saving the Planet Without the Bullshit, which is out in paperback as from June 2023. And I've also covered the UN climate talks in previous episodes of this podcast. So I don't want to talk about them a lot beyond saying that emissions are still rising. That is, emissions from oil, gas, and coal are still rising. And so it's very, very difficult to take a position that says the UN climate talks have been a success. And in any case, the fact that we are approaching their 28th annual installment really speaks to that, let's say, non-success. But in the case of COP28, something new happened. Something happened that never happened before. The host country, the United Arab Emirates, appointed as president of the UN Climate Talks someone who, at the same time, is the CEO of their national oil company. Now, that's never happened before. The president of the COP is most frequently a top diplomat from the host country. So the president of the COP traditionally has been neither a chief executive officer of a business nor associated directly with the very same industry that is behind the emissions that the 200 countries are meeting about. So that's never happened before. There's multiple other things that also have never happened before, partly because of the nature of the COP28 presidency. Let me just say that the COP28 president is clearly not directly associated with whatever text emerges from these COPs, and it's up to the 200 countries to agree what that text is and what progress will be made at that particular annual climate talk. However, the president of the UN Climate Talks is driving, in some ways, that process because of his chairmanship of these talks. So he can actually influence the length of meetings, he can influence the direction of meetings, he can influence some of the words that go into these agreements that are reached at the annual climate talks, and so on. So it's 
an indirectly powerful and influential position, which is why there is so much concern out there about the appointment of someone wearing those multiple hats that I referred to before as the president of the annual climate talks. But as I said, there's lots of other new stuff that's going on, and I want to go through some of that now. Something else which is brand new is that the COP28 team is marshalling what looks like a new alliance of the oil and gas sector to, they say, push decarbonization goals. This is something called the Global Decarbonization Alliance, and it's populated by the oil and gas industry. And not only is that aspect of it new, the other aspect which is new that it's kind of forgetting to include in these alleged or pretend decarbonizing goals, perhaps, the bulk of emissions from fossil fuels. So somehow, this oil and gas global decarbonization alliance, which apparently also wants to get to net zero by 2050, is forgetting to include in its plans all the emissions that make up by far the biggest proportion of oil and gas pollution and is only focusing on direct emissions and not those that result from the use of their products. So that's kind of new as well. The other thing that's, I think, somewhat new, I mean, it's happened before, but not at this scale, is that the host country, so the United Arab Emirates, is planning a huge oil and gas expansion at the very same time as it hosts the climate summit. And that expansion is 7.5 billion more barrels of oil, the fifth largest increase in the world. So that's kind of new. The other thing which is definitely new is that the COP28 presidency seems to want us to focus on ending fossil fuel emissions. And no, that doesn't sound as good as it may sound at the first instance. Because if you focus on ending fossil fuel emissions, you go down a rabbit hole of what is it that we can build to capture emissions while we still produce and burn oil and gas and coal. And then that leads you to wanting to invest in magic technology solutions which we don't need. But of course, while you're investing or pretending to invest in these solutions, you can keep pumping oil and burning it and exploring for new oil and then burning that because we don't need to worry since we're just going to focus on fossil fuel emissions and then capture them and then make them magically disappear. And this is new because normally you would expect that the focus of the climate talks is on fossil fuels, not fossil fuel emissions. And so you can see how that subtle word, 
added to fossil fuels and used in the same sentence actually takes you in a completely different direction and allows you to pretty much ignore current oil, gas, and coal production and new one as well. Now, there's a few other things that are new and I think noteworthy in the forthcoming 28th installment of the United Nations Climate Talks. One of the most concerning, if everything I said already isn't concerning enough just yet, is that the host country warned speakers not to criticize corporations, whatever that means, and warned against protests. Now, as anyone who has attended UN Climate Talks or has even seen them on TV knows, and I admit I've attended my fair share of UN Climate Talks, protests are inherent to the whole thing. I mean, how else does everyone suffering from climate change express themselves? And the way the climate change suffering is expressed through peaceful protests at the UN Climate Talks. I mean, you're literally taking away the oxygen valve of billions of people who have no other global venue to express the suffering that they are feeling from climate change. So you can see how banning protests is innovative. What's also innovative is to warn against criticizing corporations. I mean, what does that even mean? And just so that you know, I am referring to public pronouncements from the COP28 presidency. You can Google this yourself. Just put in Google COP28 ban protest and see what comes out. Or put COP28 warned speakers not to criticize corporations and then see what comes out. My point is that how can you not criticize corporations when it is in fact mostly corporations behind the oil and gas industry or the coal industry or all the other associated industries to them. And it's also corporations behind deforestation and it's also corporations behind biodiversity loss. I mean, it's corporations everywhere. And what? Nobody's supposed to criticize corporations? As I said, I don't even know what that means. And in the category of what's new at COP28, another new thing is that COP28 has tripled sponsorship packages for exclusive access compared to COP27. So the prices have gone up three times. Now, I suppose they can cite inflation. I mean, why not everybody else's to increase their prices? But come on. I mean, who can even afford these sponsorship packages other than the very big corporations, which often are the very root of the problem? And we had that problem before in COP27 and in other COPs, right, where the biggest sponsors are actually some of the companies that are most concerned. And that could be anything from a plastic polluter, think Coca-Cola or PepsiCo or Unilever or 
similar to an oil and gas company, to a pipeline company. And moving right along to yet another new thing at COP28, the host country decided to invite Syria's Bashar al-Assad to the COP28 climate summit. I mean, you just kind of read that and you wonder. Now, surely that is not because of anything Syria is doing to accelerate its efforts to tackle the climate crisis, right? The Syrian people are under incredible suffering and they haven't really got much time for the climate crisis. But why would you invite the president, the incredibly controversial and bloody president of Syria to the United Nations climate talks when you know that this is probably not a very good idea. Now, I'm sure the United Arab Emirates have all sort of diplomatic reasons why they may want to invite the president of Syria to their country. And that's, of course, none of my business or anyone's business. But the UN climate talks are different. The UAE is a host of the UN climate talks. And inviting someone who's radioactive to many countries and therefore to be avoided at all costs at the UN climate conference by other countries just confuses agendas and dilutes the impact of the whole thing. I mean, why do it? There's also the fact in the category of new things at the COP that the number of fossil fuel lobbyists at COP28 will beat all records by far. And this time it will be both at the venue and at the COP28 organizing team. And that's not a very good signal to give. So as you can see, there's a lot to be concerned about when it comes to COP28, and a lot for the organizers and the United Nations to think about. There is also the fact that many people around the world don't have another venue to participate in the global conversation about climate, and so they have to go to the UN climate talks. They haven't got the luxury of even boycotting them. But you're telling these people, here is the agenda, you can't protest, you can't criticize corporations, you may run into Bashar al-Assad, I want to talk about fossil fuel emissions, not fossil fuels. And what you have is you've got a recipe for, at the very least, an incredibly ineffective 28th installment of the United Nations climate talks. I suppose I could be wrong. There is always hope after all. As George Bernanos said, hope is a risk that must be run. So how will we know who's right? Are the legislators calling for the COP28 president to be changed by the COP28 host country right? Or are John Kerry and Mike Bloomberg, whose climate credentials can't really be questioned, right? Who's right? 
Well, I think that deeds are going to speak much louder than words, and we're just going to have to wait for COP28 and see what happens. What we should watch for, by the way, is not the atmospherics. It's, has COP28 done anything to bend and decrease the emissions curve? Has COP28 done anything to stop all new investments in oil, gas, and coal? As even the International Energy Agency, let alone the IPCC, are calling for. And finally, has COP28 done anything to shift the hundreds of billions of dollars that are needed to the countries that need them to adapt to climate change and cannot afford to do so? That's it. That's all we have to watch for, and we can ignore the noise. Because the real climate crisis is an orchestrated refusal of governments and vested interests and big oil to take the appropriate action to actually avert the crisis. That's the real climate crisis. Science has been certain about all this for over 40 years. And science and companies and governments all knew 40 years ago that we had to stop burning fossil fuels and transition to zero CO2. 40 years ago. And so remember, if we'd started 40 years ago, we would pretty much be finished by now. Yet, we're still talking about it, and arguably, things aren't going any better because emissions are still rising, and because the very industry that has known for 40 years and stopped progress on the efforts that we needed to do to cut fossil fuel use for 40 years, the very same industry is now shepherding the United Nations climate talks forward. So the best that I can do at this point is just go back to that George Bernanos quote, hope is a risk that must be run. Because frankly, that's all that's left in terms of a potential positive outcome at the next and 28th installment of the United Nations Climate Talks. And with that, thank you so much for listening to this episode 73 of the Angry Clean Energy Guy with me, Esad Razouk, and have a great couple of weeks.